morning again, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm right, you're wrong. You ever hear that? Might hear that out on the playground outside of school. You might hear that on a, uh, in a debate during a political campaign leading up to an election. You might hear that in a home between husband and wife or between parents and children. You might hear that at work, people that are working together on a project. You could hear it in a congregation, Christian congregation too, couldn't you? I'm right, you're wrong. We're celebrating the Reformation today. As I mentioned, there's a lot of history that goes beyond it or behind it. There's also a heritage, some things that we receive as a heritage, as a blessing from the Reformation. You've all, I'm sure, heard many sermons on some of the key truths that um, you might say come out of the Reformation like the authority or just the preeminence of Scripture, right? Uh, Justification by faith, by grace through faith, right? Maybe the universal priesthood of all believers, this idea that there's not a small number of people that are closer to God and through them we can get to God. No, all of us can go to God directly in our prayers, but at the same time, all of us are God's voice or God's hands here in this world serving as universal priests. The Lord's Supper we're going to celebrate today, really it was during the time of the Reformation that it was, uh, you might say, solidified or defined very well and um, in an understandable way. Um, We're a church that some people say the Lutheran church is the singing church, and there's a rich heritage of hymns. We've sung a couple of them. Some of them sound a little old, but if you get listen to them, and like our kids singing here, right, just because it's old doesn't mean it doesn't apply. Uh, The liturgy, music, education, Sunday school, the catechism, but most of all, the freedom. We heard in the Galatians lesson, right, the freedom from being under many laws and being duty-bound to find our salvation, right? None of these ideas were new at the time of the Reformation, but they were, you might say, revolutionary because of the darkness or the ignorance that maybe existed at that time. And back then, at the time of the Reformation, it must have many people must have seemed like another version of, I'm right, you're wrong. And today, it probably also might seem like that to a lot of people, the thing about churches and whatever. It's a matter of, I'm right, you're wrong. So was Luther right or wrong, you might ask. And I think, as you've heard me speak, and I know you, if Luther taught something, it was because 
it was in the scriptures. It was in the Bible. And so we would say, yeah. But also, maybe you're aware that there were some things that Martin Luther said, either in his private life or some of them don't sound <laughs> quite right, you know? Some of the things that he said offhand don't even maybe sound very Christian. And sometimes people outside the church, they like to grab onto that and point out, right? But we don't necessarily swear allegiance just to what Luther said because he said it. And he himself, remember at the Diet of War where he was told, urged, (laughs) threatened to recant what he had written? Remember, he said, here I stand. But he added something else, right? Unless... I'm convinced by Scripture, okay? So it's not whether he was right or wrong. Maybe this is a question. Who gets to decide what's right, what's wrong? A matter of authority. And we confessional Lutherans today, we still support promote, pledge our allegiance to the Bible as God's word, right? A higher authority than any church or any council, higher authority than even our own logic or our own feelings, right? But to bind ourselves to Scripture like this, doesn't that take away our freedom? Not really. It's, in fact, just the opposite. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, all right? Truth of Scripture and freedom. Reformation is not about a person. It's not a Lutheran pep rally <laughs> at the end of October. This morning, we go back 15 centuries before the Reformation to the gospel lesson we already heard, Jesus' word, okay? And today, five centuries after the Reformation, my prayer is that we still appreciate and thank the Lord and understand the blessing of really truly being free indeed. Comes from John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is a famous chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, there's the story of the adulterous woman. Remember that the teachers of the law, they all had stones ready to put her to death for her adultery. And Jesus came and told them whoever is without sin would cast the first stone. And then after that story, Jesus declared to those that were listening and for all of humanity, I am the light of the world. And because of what Jesus was doing and how he was talking, people were coming to him in part because of the miracles, but they were listening to his word. And we heard at the beginning of our reading this morning in chapter 31 that many Jews were believing in him. But many had already believed and had already turned back. And Jesus knew that, 
And he knew that that was possible for those Jews who were believing in him. And he knows it's always possible. And so Jesus loved them. He loved them enough to speak to them, speak the truth to them. And he encouraged them and called them. And the words, like in verse 31 and verse 32, they're the words of the gospel acclamation. Listen again. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Encourage them to hold on, like continue, hold on to, persevere. Other words that would continue. Kind of like the difference between maybe camping in a tent and living in a house. (laughs) The difference between being curious about Jesus and being a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, right? Kind of um, continue, hang on to, hold on to. So what was Jesus getting at when he said, hold on to my teaching? Was he saying that we should... um, Carefully lay out all the doctrines of Scripture and then make sure we take our stand on them? Or was he encouraging us to maybe spend plenty of time reading and listening to his word, right, as disciples? Or was Jesus maybe hinting at putting the word that we receive and hear, putting it into practice in a practical way in our lives? Don't you think maybe we shouldn't limit? <laughs> maybe, I, and Jesus wants us to be involved in all of those things, to be hanging on to his every word and to be spending time in that word and then living out that word for ourselves. And he says, that will be hanging. That will, then you will be truly my disciples, connected to him, full of the blessing. And he mentions two of them very specifically. If you are the, uh, continue in my word, you're truly my disciples, you will know the truth. There's something here that I, we need to ponder and think about, especially today. Jesus said, you will know the truth. Doesn't the truth seem to be so elusive today? It's not because God's truth is elusive, but it's because of the attitude in this day and age. The attitude that well, some, that might be the truth for you, but that might not be the truth for me. It's all great if that's the truth for you, but I have a different truth. And you get, ever get that feeling that you hear that from time to time of people? To each his own. Everyone has their own way of looking at things. I'm reminded of a couple went to a, I guess, a dinner party. There was conversations about, you know, everything, work and current events and sports and everything. And this husband and wife were talking to different people. And in particular, the husband, he would listen to somebody talking about whatever it was that they were talking about. And he would say, you know, you're right. And then a little bit later, he'd be talking to somebody else. Same topic, same subject. And the other guy would be on the other end and say totally the opposite. And the husband said, you know, you're right. And that happened back and forth a little bit. And finally his wife said, honey, come here one. 
This guy, you know, you're talking to this guy, you're right. He says the very opposite, you're right. That can't be. And you know what he said to his wife? You're right. <laughs> but it's wonderful. It seems like that's so wonderful. Everyone is right. But that's not where Jesus points us today, is it? Not to let everyone see things their way. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you'll be my disciples, and you will know the truth. Specifically, the message about Jesus, the Savior of the world, your Savior, the message of his forgiveness, the message of eternal life for all eternity. And that truth will set you free. Have you seen this phrase elsewhere? The truth will set you free. Apparently, it's somewhere in the CIA office building, posted somewhere. It's a motto of Johns Hopkins University. It's posted in courtrooms throughout the country, um, radio stations, newspapers, right? They post, the truth will set you free. But Jesus was talking about so much more than any political or social or any, any earthly-centered freedom. The truth about him will set you free. Free from sin, free from the devil, free from death. You will be truly, really free indeed. Now, some of the Jews that were listening to Jesus that day had a hard time with what he was saying, didn't they? You heard that, right? In fact, they would seem to be kind of offended at what Jesus said. Now, why would they be offended? Why would they be so offended by Jesus offering freedom? They said, we've never been slaves to anyone. We're sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves. What do you guys think of that? Do you remember your Old Testament Bible history? 430 years in Egypt, 70 years in Babylon, and as they spoke, the Roman Empire was above them. Right? They missed the point, but Jesus brought them back, kind of brusquely, okay? In verse 34, remember what Jesus said? Whoever sins is a slave to sin. Sin is not just what we do sometimes. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Sin is who we are. Right? There's a big distinction. We do sin at times, indeed often, because we are sinners. Sometimes this slavery to sin that Jesus is talking about, and it, it pertains to everybody, all humanity, sometimes this sin, this slavery to sin is pretty obvious to see. Think about that adulterous woman. She had made a mess out of her life, right? Or think of a, an addict whose slavery to sin. Or think of someone who just can't control his temper or his words. Sometimes that slavery to sin is out there for everyone to see. But other times, the slavery to sin 
is not so visible, is it? Isn't it? It's the slavery to sin of those Jews who wanted to condemn that woman, right? The slavery of their sinful pride in their own who they were because we're children of Abraham. Selfishness or indifference. And this slavery to sin, there's really no solution to it inside of us, is there? Strong willpower, can that break us out of our slavery to sin? Right? Doing many good works, will that bring us out of the slavery to sin? No, just listen to Jesus, though, in the last verse. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus, God's Son, set you and me and all of the Jews and all of Gentiles and all of humanity. He set us free by coming and through his life of loving God and loving his neighbor and keeping the Ten Commandments in our place, that holy life. And then that perfect life was sacrificed on a cross for the sin of all people. Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection, has set us free. That freedom had a great price, but that freedom is free for us, and that's why it means so much to us. We are free indeed. There's a strong encouragement for us here on this Reformation Sunday, right? Being disciples of Jesus, is it easy? Is it automatic? Do Christians ever backslide? Do believers ever give up? Do followers of Jesus ever grow lazy in their relationship? Whether it's the receiving of the word or whether it's serving God and serving others, right? Discipleship, discipleship is not easy, quick, or automatic. But Jesus reminds us how it happens through the word. If you remain, continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the devil knows this better than we do. But he'll tempt us. He'll tempt pastors to, to give less than their best effort as they share God's word. He'll tempt believers to listen less than their be- with their best effort carefully or often, as often as, as they can. He'll use everything and everything to distract us and to put distance between us and the word. And that's why, I don't know who said it first, but the Reformation is not just an event. The Reformation continues. The Reformation is ongoing. The Reformation happens here in my heart and your heart. No one's an automatic believer. No one automatically stays a believer. God works through his word to keep us in faith and so that we might always be free indeed. That adulterous woman, a slave to sin, right? She had messed up her own life. But then she heard Jesus say, I do not condemn you. And she was free indeed. In the same way, lepers, demon-possessed, 
the sick. They met Jesus, and they were free indeed. And by the way, they were healed in their bodies also. Paul and Silas, thrown into jail for preaching in the name of Jesus. Right? They didn't know if they'd get out, when they'd get out, how they'd get out. But they were free indeed in the middle of their jail cell. They sang hymns to Jesus all night long. They were free indeed. And then, by the way, God came and opened the gates. It was like a, they didn't need that to be free. Right? They were already free indeed. Their jailers, they were not free. They were still slaves to sin. Until one of them heard Paul say, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your house. And he was free indeed. Onesimus, remember a month or two back, talked about him in the book of Philemon. Onesimus was that slave that left Philemon. He escaped. He was free, but he was still a slave to sin. And then, through God's hand, he met Paul, and Paul pointed him to Jesus. God worked faith in his heart, and Onesimus was free indeed. And by the way, he went back to Philemon. We could go back to the Old Testament. Daniel, thrown into the lion's den, right? No getting out, no way out, no escape. But he was free. He was free indeed. And by the way, God closed up the mouth of the lions, and the next morning, Daniel walked out. Free indeed. Martin Luther. Martin Luther, all his life, longed for, struggled for peace. Wanted to be free. He went into a monastery. He became a priest. He was still a slave to sin. But then because he was a teacher of the word and was in the word, he discovered the gospel. And suddenly he was free indeed. Brothers and sisters, you and I, just like all people, we were born as slaves to sin. But God came to us, often through baptism at a young age, other times through the Word. And God has created faith in Jesus in our hearts, and because of that, because we are disciples of Jesus, we are free indeed. The world we live in, overflowing with information, but doesn't know the truth for the most part. The world we live in, starving for the truth, longing for freedom, but without Christ, is still in slavery to sin. My brothers and sisters, on this Reformation Sunday, my prayer for you, for all of us, is that that we be free, that we realize that we are free, that we appreciate that we are free, but that also we dedicate ourselves to pray for and work for all people to be really, truly free indeed. Just like we, just like you and me, as disciples of Jesus. That's our prayer on this Reformation Sunday. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.